Welcome to the Freshfields Sanctions and International Trade Podcast. I'm Nabil Youssef. I'm a partner here in the Washington, D.C. office of Freshfields and head up our U.S. sanctions and trade practice. I'm joined today by my colleague, Ayman Mir, who's a partner here in Washington as well and heads up our CFIUS practice. Today, we're going to be talking about recent developments in international trade and U.S. policy, as well as what we might expect from the end of this Trump administration and the forthcoming Biden administration. So, Ayman, we've seen a bunch of proposed appointments. We've obviously seen a transition team that's been put in place by the Biden administration-elect. What are we seeing in terms of foreign policy, national security direction from the statements that these folks have made and what these appointments might mean for the Biden administration's perspective on this going forward? Thanks very much, Nabil. So many of the intended nominees that have been announced thus far have substantial experience and expertise in the areas for which they're being considered. That suggests that the Biden administration, when it comes in, will already be up to speed on the issues. And that's partially because many of the individuals served in some capacity or another in the previous Obama-Biden administration. So it'll be interesting to see how much continuity there is from the Obama years and whether Biden as president charts his own course and the extent to which any policies or approaches of the Trump administration actually carry over. I mean, that's a really interesting point, and we're hearing this question a lot from clients right now, which is, should we expect a Biden administration to just be like a light switch and suddenly we're transported back in time four, eight, 12 years from a policy and regulatory perspective? Is there going to be a 180 in any of these spaces? What's our thinking on this now? I think a 180 is going to be very difficult because even the Democratic Party looks different today than it did just a few years ago. There's obviously a progressive side of the party that's going to be placing pressure on the Biden administration to think about economic issues in a different way. There obviously are dynamics in the foreign policy space, as I said, with respect to China, where the concerns have continued to evolve even since the Obama administration and where we see bipartisan consensus in a direction that portends change. What are you seeing in the sanctions space in that regard? How much change are we likely to see? From the sanctions and export controls perspective, a lot of this is politics and a lot of this is going to be crystal ball gazing because we don't know what events are going to precipitate U.S. change in policy. But I think it's been a very similar view from our perspective on this because as it concerns being tough on China or continuing sanctions on Russia, there's been huge directional continuity, at least from statements from the Biden administration, from statements from the appointees. Joe Biden, when he was a part of the Obama administration, wasn't exactly a dove on these issues. And so I think there's going to actually be a surprising amount of policy continuity between a Trump administration and a Biden administration. That said, there are some spaces where there is huge disagreement and where I wouldn't maybe call it a full 180 and certainly wouldn't think of it as being a 180 on day one, but where I think we're going to expect some really significant divergence in the sanctions and trade space. And in particular, we're expecting that that's going to be the U.S. policy toward Cuba, which the Obama administration had liberalized dramatically and Trump has all but entirely rolled back, as well as in Iran, the Biden administration stated intent to re-enter the Iran nuclear deal. And with that, the U.S. relaxation of certain restrictions on dealings with Iran. So I think it's a bit more maybe of a mixed bag. Some areas, I think we'll see a 180 over time. But in a lot of spaces, as you say, Ayman, there's huge bipartisan support for U.S. escalations of actions against China, 
There's huge interest in seeing political resolutions to issues in a lot of parts of the world that aren't going to be terribly dissimilar from what the Trump administration was doing. Nabil, it may be worth spending a moment on actual intended nominees. Treasury, of course, is a key player both in the foreign investment review and sanction spaces. And when it comes to CFIUS, that portfolio is usually delegated down to the Deputy Secretary of the Treasury. And we know that the intended nominee is Wally Adeyemo, who used to serve as the Treasury Department's Deputy Chief of Staff, after which he served as the Deputy National Security Advisor for Economics to President Obama. So someone who has had meaningful CFIUS experience, his return to the Treasury Department is likely to bring with it a steady hand on the process. And if you think about the two or three major changes that the process underwent over the past two or three years, one, of course, was the significant expansion of CFIUS's authority to review transactions. And the second is a significant increase in the number of people that staff CFIUS across the government. Both of those things are unlikely to change, so we can expect continued significant scrutiny to be given to cross-board transactions. The third major change in the past few years was a sense that the balance within CFIUS had been lost as economic agencies like USTR and the State Department and the Commerce Department started to play less of a counterbalancing role to the security agencies. And as a result of that, the threshold for blocking transactions or imposing mitigation dropped in practice. Given who we expect to be nominated or people who are being nominated to other cabinet positions that make up CFIUS, I think we can expect a return of some of that balance. I don't think that that will mean that we'll see a significant change related to CFIUS's treatment of, for example, Chinese transactions. There may be some edge cases where there is a change, but not in the main. We may, however, see a reduction in the number of non-Chinese transactions that are subject to mitigation, following what seemed to be an increase over the past few years in CFIUS mitigating transactions, even where they didn't involve China, but involved countries that were otherwise friendly or investors from otherwise friendly countries. In terms of the structural changes, just in the last four years and driven just as much by Congress as by the White House, there have been structural changes to the way that the national security, foreign policy, infrastructure in the United States operates. Obviously, CFIUS has changed dramatically. There's this new Team Telecom, the acronym for which I will not even bother attempting. But your point about a new beginning almost, it seems like, under a Biden administration is a good one, because I think in the sanctions and trade space, we're going to see that as well. I mean, we basically have, and it's independent really of the White House, the politics, the policies, the facts on the ground have shifted in the last four years, but we haven't seen how a Democratic president might take the changing circumstances right, and apply that to, I guess, what we'd call maybe a more traditional, predictable process, one maybe that's driven less by fiat and less centrally controlled and more driven by the policymakers, the regulators, the intelligence community that's actually on the ground focused on these issues. Well, it'd be interesting to see how those authorities are used, whether they are essentially pushed aside and not implemented or whether any of them are withdrawn. For example, we know the telecom supply chain order, which was intended to place controls on what type of equipment is used in the telecommunication space. The regulations on that were never finalized. So it'll be interesting to see whether certain policy actions that previous administration took in this space remain and to what extent they're actually used by the new team. I mean, that's a great jumping off point to talk about also some of these executive orders. So much of what the Trump administration has done has been by executive action, and we don't know how much the Biden administration is going to keep some of that in place. But to your point, I think it's exactly right. I think we are expecting that if the Biden administration doesn't like a particular policy or a particular program or a particular executive order, 
administratively, there is an easy way to neglect an action and let it die on the vine without actually affirmatively going out and changing it. So I'm in a question we're getting a lot from clients these days is, should they wait this out? Is there value in trying to run out the clock on a Trump administration, which doesn't have a whole lot of time left, and really wait until the Biden administration has gotten its footing a month or two months, three months in once the policies are set and they start to flow down through government, or whether the change isn't going to be so dramatic that waiting is going to appreciably change anything. It certainly makes sense for companies to pay close attention to the actions of this administration in its closing days, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it will make sense for them to wait on the sidelines. For one thing, we don't know how long it'll take for the nominees of this administration or the new administration to be confirmed with a divided Congress that could take some time. And so it ultimately will depend upon the shelf life of the commercial opportunity and how variable the policy of the new administration could be and whether it's necessary or it makes sense to actually wait until that policy direction becomes clear. The other related point to this that we're fielding a lot is to what extent have the circumstances on the ground changed so much, not just in the U.S., but in Europe and around the world, that we're in a place now where Europe has come along on the substance of some of these positions to be more aligned with the U.S. such that it isn't really going to be easily undone. And related to that is to what extent do we expect a Biden administration might actually be dramatically better than a Trump administration at creating multilateral support and for proselytizing and evangelizing U.S. policy positions among Western governments. Basically, it's this expansionist view of U.S. foreign policy that makes it much more influential potentially under a Biden administration than under a Trump administration. Definitely from a sanctions and export controls perspective, that's something we're looking at. It's something we're thinking of for our clients because at the end of the day, the most significant sanctions program possibly in U.S. history was the U.S. nuclear sanctions on Iran, which were entirely done under the Obama administration and were incredibly effective, brought Iran to the table for the nuclear deal that ultimately led to the relaxation of those very same sanctions. So I think there's a fear or a concern that whereas a Biden administration might be more favorably inclined towards certain things, it's also possible that for the activities or for the policy points the U.S. is trying to push, the Biden administration might be much more effective at it. And then the flip side to that is, whereas the Trump administration wasn't particularly well-trusted by the U.S. population or by Congress to act in certain ways, the Biden administration might have more credibility and that they might actually use that credibility to find political solutions to some of these problems and have the credibility to loosen sanctions without creating, for example, the threat of legislation by Congress to fix those sanctions in place. From the broader national security perspective, from the foreign investment review perspective, how much are you seeing the same thing? Europe on some of these issues, for example, China had to make its way to their current position on their own timescale. And so while the Trump administration was out there early pressing Europe very hard on things like Huawei, it took some time for Europe to come around both with respect to infrastructure protection as well as foreign investment and so on. But they now seem to be thinking about these things through a similar lens or a similar filter as the U.S. So that certainly creates additional opportunity for the next administration to build on that, in particular by taking now a more multilateral and cooperative approach with Europe to address these various security concerns 
both China obviously returning to a more cooperative approach on Iran and perhaps a continuation as it relates to Russia. I'm in an enlightening discussion, as always. Thank you so much for joining us on this, the Freshfields Sanctions and International Trade Podcast.